Record collections and recollections. Out of the box on FBI Radio. Hey, Emily Elvish with you on FBI Radio 94.5, streaming online or on the podcast. This is Out of the Box. It's the place where every Thursday from 12 to 1, we'll dive into one guest record collection, the stories from their life, and how those things move together. Today, Emily and I are broadcasting from Redfern, which is on unceded Gadigal land, and I would like to pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present and recognise the ongoing colonial violence committed across this country. Out of the Box is a show where we dive deep into the guests' record box and pull out the stories of music that they love. First Nations people have been telling stories across country for millennia, so I would like to acknowledge their history and significance as well. I would also like to extend that respect to any First Nations person listening in today. Wherever you're tuning in from in so-called Sydney, this land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. By the way, I am another host of Out of the Box. My name is Kate Sarp and Emily Elvish and I are here chatting to each other for the inaugural episode of Out of the Box after it's been revamped. Oh my God, it's all happening. Are you excited, Emily? I'm so excited. And I'm excited to dive in. We're going to be taking a look at your record collection first up. Ah! How does it feel to be on the other side of the panel? You know what? I've never been interviewed before besides like a job interview. So this is going to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not as stressful than a job interview. I feel it's like, a very different experience. You know, the, the biggest mistake anyone ever made was giving me a microphone. Um, so... <laughs> So I'm going to try my best. I love it. We're here for it. Mm-hmm. Kate, I am so excited to dive into all the stories that you have to tell. But let's wind back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. You spent most of your early years living in Brunei. What's your earliest memory from living there? Probably the day that my sister was born. Um, so we moved to Brunei in 2004 when I was two years old. And my younger sister, Gemma... She's not getting a shout out though. Um, (laughs) She was born in December of 2005. And I'm pretty sure it's one of those cases where even though there are photographs of the event, I actually do remember it anyway. Um, And I have an older brother. And so we were so excited that we were gonna get a baby sister. Well, another one for him anyway. And so we were all at the hospital at Repass. My sister was born three days before my mother's birthday. We went in on my mom's birthday. My brother was wearing a Spider-Man shirt um, and I was wearing a cute little tutu outfit I'm pretty sure Um, and we waltzed into the hospital room because that's how excited that we were that we had another sibling um, you know just dancing into her life Um, I would like to hope and pray that you know she's (laughs) she at least like understood that that's what we were going for when we were doing it granted you know she was like 72 hours old Um, (laughs) but yeah, you know, it was very easy um, growing up there as well. I think that it's a great place for raising a young family. It's very safe. Um, it's a, a lot of, like, walking and stuff to do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, lots of time at the beach as well. What was your exposure to music like during that early time in your life? Well, music was always on in my house, especially when my dad was home. Um, the <laughs> I remember... 
Um, on the way to school, we had one of those like janky iPhone 3 connector cables that plugged into the radio, into the cigarette lighter um, or the, the battery or whatever. I've always just assumed that it was the cigarette lighter. And uh, so on the way to school, we would listen to Fitzy and Whipper like through TuneIn Radio, the app. Um, and that's, you know, a way that my mum wanted us to stay connected as well. And then when my dad was home, he would have Triple M playing constantly from his speaker. It's still on actually at my house right now. My dad's not in the country right now, but Triple M is probably on wherever he is. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, a lot of dad rock. Um, I remember him uh, introducing me to Cool for Cats. I forget who the track is by, but then he would make me sing like the, the melody part like <laughs> uh, in the chorus. Um, and yeah, so like music was always on from, from my parents. Um, but then at school, you know, like in the orchestra as well, because, uh, you know, there was nothing else to do. So then I was like, oh, all my friends play instruments. So I tried with the piano first, um, but I just kind of gave up. And, you know, I think also picking something up when you're seven years old is a little bit annoying because you'd rather be outside playing with your friends. Um, and then in year six, I was like, ooh, the cello, this is, like, kind of cool. And then now I tell people that I played it. This is past tense, by the way, as well. Um, <laughs> they were like, wow, that's such a sexy instrument. And I was like, yeah, for a 12-year-old, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, I was always really impressed with the um, local music in Brunei as well. Like gamelan is a style that's really um, popular and historical in Southeast Asia. So at all the international days, at a lot of the various um, important ceremonies, they would have like the big gamelan um, music playing. And that was really cool. Like a really interesting I think now, you know, you go to a live performance and people play music with like a loop pedal and stuff. And the thing about gamelan is such a cyclical kind of media uh, of music. And so like drawing that connection now with seeing how it's like transformed into modern day stuff is really cool, too. Yeah, that's amazing. Let's dive into your first song. You've chosen one by Kali Uchis. This is Riding Round. Tell us a little bit about this track. So... To my core, to my heart, I am a coochie. I have been... <laughs> I uh, haven't heard that before. Yeah, so that's what she calls her little fans, her coochies. Um, I have been a coochie since day dot. I think the first track I heard from hers was in like 2016 or something, you know, trying to like find my sound, see what I was into, you know, at 14 years old, start listening to Tyler the Creator. Then you notice she's got a, a, you know, a couple of collabs with him. Um, and Riding Around was the first track that I had heard and... It's the the single version, not from the EP, Por Vida, which I was actually listening to on the way here just because it's so good. Uh, that came out in 2015, so I heard it in 2016. And the thing about Riding Round is that it sort of was my introduction to that more, like, really swingy, like, bassy, chuggy style of music that I hadn't really come across before because I was listening, you know, to a lot of indie pop as children of the internet do um and you know granted she's got that other stuff too but i think this is where she's like really embracing her latin heritage like in this first track specifically from other things that i had heard as well of hers um up until that time and this is the single version that i sent you as well because <laughs> uh the one that's on Paul vida it's too 
it's too angelic. And I think that the point about the track is that, like, you know, she's a hustler. She's getting the job done. She's driving around and she doesn't, you know, doesn't need no man, has no boss. She's working for herself and, like, slay bestie. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's why riding around is so special to me. I'm so excited to dive into this one. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. As picked by Kate Sarp, this is Kali Uchis with Riding Round. You're tuned in to FBI Radio 94.5 FM. My name is Kate Sarp, and this is Out of the Box. I'm currently joined in the studio by my wonderful co-host, Emily Elvish. I'm so excited to be here. How are you doing? I'm, you know, I'm great. You know, we were just interrogating me. Um, I spoke <laughs> about my upbringing um, in Brunei and everything. So thank you, Emily, for that wonderful um, introduction, I suppose. And now it's my turn. I'm going to ask you some stuff. You oh better be God. prepared. Let's, let's do it. I'm strapped in. I <laughs> hope you are as well. Let's dive in. So, you know, you've been playing music basically your whole life. Could you tell me about the first time you picked up an instrument? The first time I picked up an instrument would have been when I was five or six years old. My mum was really keen for me to do piano lessons. I was less keen. And it just relatable, relatable content for a lot of people, I think. And it was always something that was very much a part of my like weekly routine. I would always just go to piano lessons and I never really developed a love or passion for it. It just kind of felt like a routine thing to do, which looking back on it now, I'm shocked that I'm still in music considering how blase I was to it at the time. But it it was great. It taught me a lot of like key theory, I guess, that I probably wouldn't have connected with later in life. Um, and I just have very core cool memories of being able to like whip out for release at 10 years old. And that was one of the only flexes I could like muster at the time. So it was nice to have that in my back pocket when I needed it. I'm going to have to like see that in person <laughs> to prove that this was real. Do you have like a video recording of it somewhere? Can uh, you still do it? Actually, no, that's what I want to know. Can you still do it? I can get up to, it's not the chorus, but I can get to like the main hook of the song. Beautiful. If you need, if there was a keyboard in front of me, I hope I could do that. Was music always on in your house growing up? It was definitely from my dad. He loved, obviously, his dad rock, but he Mm -hmm. was a super big Talking Heads fan. He loved his kiss. He was very involved in music in his own world. So not as a musician or anything, but he was always going to festivals back in the day and... He loved that side of it. So I definitely connected from a distance from him. And my mom had her playlist of her 10 songs that she has on repeat. To this day, she has a Christmas playlist too that comes out every year. And it's the same songs I've been listening to since I was two or three years old. So it's kind of burnt into my memory. Could you give me a list of the tracks that you remember from your mom's playlist? Oh my God, the Love Actually soundtrack. My mom too. (laughs) 
any single time that she connects her phone to like Bluetooth audio or whatever, it's purchased in her iTunes library. Oh my so God. it will start playing. Oh, that's the same with my mom too. <laughs> do we have the same mom? They gotta meet do. up. Yeah, we need to get them in a room together. Yep. yep. When did you figure out uh, that music was something that you wanted to do more officially? Probably when I was 20, I think the first lockdown had kind of come to a close and I'd bought myself a bass at the start of lockdown as just like a hobby that I wanted to learn it. I was super interested and I'd started going to gigs more regularly in so-called Sydney at the time. So I had this like underlying desire to be a part of it more as a punter and more than a punter, I should say, and more as just, I wanted to be in a band. Everyone in a band seems so cool. So I started learning bass and I ended up in a band after the end of lockdown with some of my now super close friends. And I'm doing that with such, with people who were so close to me, just made me love the whole experience of gigging and, being in a band you really like foster a sense of community with the people that you're around and they do start to feel like family because you're spending so much time with them and I think that was the turning point for me just being able to be a part of that sort of community in such close proximity with people that you admire as musicians in their own right and who you love as friends on top of that. Just more about your band Grace Besides you guys being friends, did you like pick them individually because like they already knew how to play music? Uh, it, like, how did you meet them in the first place? Well, Jamila, our lead singer, she started the band, I guess, as we know it. It started off as her solo project and she put out a call on this really rogue musicians Facebook group that still exists, I'm pretty sure. And she was like, I'm looking for a drummer and a bassist. And I, at the time, I remember thinking that it'd be really cool to play bass on someone's solo project and kind of have that sort of experience, which I'd never really done before playing bass. And we connected, this was during the second lockdown. We first had this Zoom where we all met each other for the first time, which was so strange and such a jarring experience to be starting a band like that it's not very punk rock no it's not (laughs) (laughs) it's not very metal of us but we did it anyway and yeah I think we played our first gig just after lockdown had finished and finally met each other in the flesh and the solo project turned into a band and now we're here your dad loves music has he ever come to watch you perform He has once. It was our single launch um, at the end of 2022. Mm -hmm. It was funny, actually, after it, I remember him coming up to me and being like, what was that song you played, like, second to last? And it was a cover, and I had to break the sad news (gasps) that I didn't write it. And he was really disappointed. But I gave. he now really likes, I think it was Arctic Monkeys who he covered. So he's a big stand. It worked out for the best. Yeah. And then I suppose just circling back earlier, we're going to look go through your record books oh right gosh. now. You mentioned that you and your dad love Talking Heads, mm. both massive stands. Um, and so one of the tracks that I'm going to pull out of your little box is This Must Be The Place by Talking Heads. Do you want to tell me about how this track found you? 
It found me, I think for the first time I was watching Stop Making Sense, the live concert film by Talking Heads. And my dad was showing it to me as like, you need to watch this. This is seminal. This is like something you need in your life. Mm -hmm. And I remember that song comes on closer to the end of the movie and it just, it's so calming and so cathartic to listen to. And it just, it makes you feel like at peace and at home. And that, having that memory with my dad of that being one of our first like formative bonding experiences and finding a lot of like passion in similar things. I associate that song with that time in my life with him, which is still really special to me. And it still makes me feel really nostalgic whenever I hear it. It's a beautiful song. And I think it gives that same feeling to a lot of people. We're going to throw to it right now. And Emily Elvish and myself, Kate Sop, are going to be chatting on the other side of this next track. This is Out of the Box, Don't Go Anywhere. And this one right now, though, is This Must Be the Place by Talking Heads. Keep it locked. back listening to out of the box with me emily elvish and we're joined by your new host of this beautiful beautiful segment kate sarp kate we were just chatting about your early life growing up in brunei you moved back to australia in 2020 around the covid pandemic Mm -hmm. what was the experience of returning to australia like at that time Um, Well, I was never meant to be the first one of my friends to leave because, like, I always knew that I was coming back to uni in so-called Australia. So I also didn't have to worry about, like, doing a a UCAS um, application or, like, a personal statement or anything because, you know, in Australia anyway, you just, like, apply with UAC and your numbers and, like, it's whatever. Um, So I was never really stressed about uni or anything, but... I had always thought like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to do my exams and then I'm going to have prom and then I'm going to, all my friends are going to go. And then I was, you know, only aiming to leave in like October or something, get my tax file number, establish myself here, etc. cetera. Um, but then like, you know, COVID happened, school was over. I, you know, it was two weeks or whatever before I was meant to go on study leave anyway. Um, and then my, turns out, you know, my exams were cancelled and I'm one of those like assholes that loves to do exams <laughs> and so I was absolutely devastated because you know I had like this idea in my head of like you know I'm, I'm preparing for something I'm preparing for something and then like it never actually happened and so mm. I think it, it did take me a while actually to get rid of that like imposter syndrome thing where like I'm at this university but it feels like I shouldn't be here like I, I didn't really work as hard as I could have you know because I didn't do my exams anyway um so then like um, you know, that was fine. I still thought I was going to leave in October, whatever. And then, you know, my dad was a pilot and then that whole thing happened where no one was flying. So we weren't flying anymore. Um, and then I found out that I was leaving and then it was like so quick that just because like a lot of other f- expat families were also leaving Brunei, like, 
you know, we sold the cars really quickly. We had two beautiful Labradors, Rue and Baxter, that we unfortunately had to say goodbye to um, because Baxter had epilepsy. So, you know, it was really – he wasn't going to make um, – the, the quarantine, you know, that's like six weeks and stuff. Like, that that's cruel. Um, so he went to a very the, – both the Rue and Baxter went to a lovely home. Um, I do miss them. I think about them a lot. Um, and I – like, so coming back to Eora, I had come back, you know, two or three times a year for the, the 16 years that I lived overseas. And I only knew one person besides my extended family. Um, I met her at a – Halloween party that my cousin was hosting and then we just like hung out every single time that I came back so I'm I'm so grateful for my friendship with Kat Um, and you know I just like I I found that it was really good being a young adult in Sydney first before like going to uni so I basically had you know an unconventional gap year I was meant to anyway sort of kind of but it was a full like 50 weeks between when I finished high school you know in air quotes and then started uni so I like got a job I learned the places to go and so I was actually I made a bunch of friends using Bumble BFF there's like a friend option I would love to talk about this because I haven't actually met anyone who's found a friend on there before I found several oh please tell me Please tell me everything. So, like, you know, I, I'm 18 in a city, got nothing else to do. So then first I was on, like, the dating part of Bumble. I've got, you know, that's a story for not right now. But um, the the friend, Bumble BFF, I was like, okay, I can't keep asking Kat to hang out with me. She's got to finish her HSC. Like, let me find some other people. So then I made a profile. You have to, like, do it separately. Um, and then it was like one of the first couple people I swiped right on my friend Nina from uh, she's also the same as me where she was an born here, moved over to New Jersey, spent her whole life in the US. She had started university in um, America as well and then um, got like you know COVID happened her family moved back here and then she moved back here transferred unis so like having someone who had that incredibly relatable experience with me was just like so lucky yeah Bumble BFF that's where it's at I am really interested to hear about the first time you heard of FBI radio well because I had lived overseas I wasn't too familiar um I feel like you know there is a, a really big Triple J to FBI pipeline. Um, But actually, the first time that I, like, had 94.5 FM playing on the car radio was with my ex-boyfriend. We were channel surfing, trying to find something to listen to because he actually liked to listen to talk back, um, which is a little bit strange, like, on AM radio. Anyway, that's... That's saying something about me, (laughs) which I don't wish to reveal. So, you know, we were going through and, you know, 94.5, it's very close to another popular station. So I was just, you know, surfing around. Um, And then I think it was um, one of the, you know, really spacey shows. I think it was Solstice um, was what we tuned into. It was a late night drive. um, And I was like, wow, this is beautiful. Like, this is just on the radio because, you know, the only other stations that I'd listened to have been really high energy constantly. Um, and that's not what I'm into all the time. Loved FBI so much. So then got familiar with the grid. So, you know, mm. I would like have the shows that I wanted to listen to, um, followed on them on Instagram. 
And then I was like going through my Instagram stories because I'm chronically online. And I got this ad for a job that was being, um, you know, uh, advertised at FBI. And I had volunteered at 2SER as well um, on their current affairs program, The Wire. So that was like my introduction to like actually making stuff for radio. Um, And then so, you know, I didn't get the job that I applied for, but... Darren, the wonderful head of Shout music and programming. Darren. Thanks, Darren. He's <laughs> like, hey, we're doing um, presenter training. Do you want to join in? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> I would love to be a presenter at FBI. Oh, my God. Um, so then, you know, did my all-nighters. Here we are. I would love to dive in to your next track. Okay. This is Omar Apollo with Petrified. When did you first cross paths with this song? Um, when it came out, so the album came out in, well, the winter, I suppose. It came out in August of 2022. Um, and, like, I have also been in love with Omar Apollo for as long as my love affair with Carla Uchis has lasted. <laughs> uh, they sort of go hand in hand together, right? Like, uh, the first Omar Apollo track I ever heard, I think, was, like, Break Light or something. And I was like, he's so real for that. Um, <laughs> and it's just a really beautiful song. And then Petrified, so it's sort of... Like halfway through the album, um, Ivory, and like, you know, I'm listening, I'm listening, and then all of a sudden, this beautiful, like, really um, spacey guitar, like, fills my headphones. I listened to the album through my headphones for the first time. I'd never done that before. First listen, great way to do it. Um, And like, it was just so transformative and it's the the right kind of yearning of what I was going through at the time um, with a now ex-boyfriend, it, you know, just that like what Amara was saying, I was like, wow, like I'm also yearning for this thing. Like I want this person to be with me right now, but there's just circumstantial mm-hmm. things that aren't working. Um, and I just think that like the track is one of those ones where you like listen to it and you're like manifesting things towards the moon about someone. Um, and we're going to listen to it now. <laughs> I'm so excited to dive in. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. This is Omar Apollo, one of Kate Sarp's picks. This is Petrified. You're tuned into Out of the Box with me, Kate Sarp, and Emily Elvish. And we're currently in the middle of a chat with each other about our thoughts on music, arts, and culture, um, and how this has shaped the people that we are. So besides hosting Up For It and Out of the Box together, like we just spoke about, we did study at uni together. Um, and I think that that's a really funny coincidence. <laughs> so we, we did study media comms together. Um, and had you also known that this was always what you wanted to do? Uh, no, I was very, I guess rudderless is the right word. Um, for my early 20s, I would like chop and change between a lot of different jobs and a lot of different, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is my moment. And I always ended up coming back to some sort of media aligned avenue. I 
left high school only really knowing that I liked to write and thought that the media comms degree was broad enough that I Mm. could figure out all the rest out in between. I remember vividly in my first year of uni, I don't know if you did the same unit, but there was one where essentially the whole course content was telling you that you weren't going to get a job yep. in the industry. Oh yep. my God, it still I exists. did that assignment on being a art director and I was like, what the hell is wrong <laughs> with me? <laughs> it was so awful. Yeah, they made you do an assignment where you had to like analyze how many jobs there were for this certain mm-hmm for this certain position and then tell everyone that there was none. It was awful. And I think that sparked something in me to like get my act into gear and be like, okay, this is my degree. I need to find a job. So I went out and applied for every internship under the sun for anything journalism related. And that led me down this garden path of music journalism. And I found a lot of really beautiful youth magazines in the process that I started writing for. Like there was this one called Pure Nowhere, which is based in Nam. They're amazing and they like platform so many incredible local artists. And that really sparked a passion in me for continuing with music journalism. I ended up getting a full-time job at a magazine based in Eora and took a year off uni. And that job did burn me a little bit. And I came out of it not really knowing what I wanted to do next because I associated the burnout with my love and passion for music and journalism and media and figured that it wasn't for me. I think sometimes those things, like, although they feel um, correlated, they're just not. Yeah. Um, And you can separate, like, you know, the blame that you take on you know, a nine to five working capital oriented (laughs) job. Um, Because, you know, that's what a lot of, you know, as much as, you know, I love the creative pursuit, sometimes Mm. it's unfortunate that those things also come into play. No, it's so true. And I think I spent a lot of the years after that, like soul searching a little bit for what like my calling was and all that fun stuff. Mm. And I ended up falling more into music. I started my band during this time. We, yeah, started gigging a lot and I just found it really beautiful and fulfilling and I'm still doing it to this day. And then through that, I had always known about FBI and, but only from a distance. And I thought to myself one day, what if I just applied and see what happens? And here we are. Here we are. Can you talk more about like that moment that took you from being a listener to buzzing the front door for the first time? That moment was, I think I was in a bit of a change period in my life. I just started working in PR at the time. Um, And I don't know, I think it, it really inspired me to like go out. I think I was listening to, ironically out of the box, but it was Mia Hull's chat with Angel Olsen. It was a beautiful conversation. It was an incredible conversation. And I was like, I've never heard storytelling like this before. And the way that they both articulated themselves was something I'd never really come across. It was so poetic and considered and beautiful. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. We were both, you know, 
hosted uh, Up For It last year. And I'm not too sure if you tuned in, but because it's very early in the morning. <laughs> um, but I have this little segment that I like to do uh, called What's the Score? So it's where I look at original movie or TV scores um, and I think about what makes them good. Is, is it the atmosphere that they provide? Do they enhance the mm. story? Do they drive the plot? What does the music convey about what everyone that's working on the piece of media wants to? Um, and, you know, as someone who is much as a film bro as me, you know, spent the past <laughs> three years doing this, spending a lot of money to get an education in this, um, I think that it's really important uh, to bring light to some off-forgotten parts about the music canon. Um, and, you know, soundtracks do make or break the reception of the film. So some examples of soundtracks that I have also loved and chatted about on the show are um, most recently, The Boy and the Heron, fantastic oh film. Oh, my God. Uh, some of my favorites, though, The Black Klansman, Blade Runner, The Shining, um, and Minions Rise of Gru, okay, which is a banger. Go on. I haven't seen it. I'm. It's got a stacked um, soundtrack, like stacked artists, various, so many people. Uh, Carly Uchis. Oh, okay? my God. Caroline Politech. Yeah. Tame Impala. They got Caroline Politech. Yes, they did, okay. Um, and I have no shame in sharing the gems. So... <laughs> Now, Emily, <laughs> as a media creator, consumer, and information disseminator, I asked you to pick a piece of media and talk about its soundtrack. So what are we talking about today, and why is it your favourite? We are, I was really anxious about choosing this because I thought I had to pick something really fancy and beautiful, like an interstellar, but it would be disingenuous of me to not say that the Twilight New Moon soundtrack is a seminal piece of art in my opinion. I think that it changed the game and I think that culture has never been the same since, to be honest. It is... <laughs> Our executive producer, Tanya, is... <laughs> She's got my back. It's, yeah, it's a incredible. It's just so well curated. I remember first coming into contact with it through my older cousin who I admired a lot growing up I thought she was the coolest person ever and she was a big Twilight stan and I remember her showing me the soundtrack and it was my first introduction into like emo or midwest or mm -hmm. any of that indie kind of scene and it was probably the start of my emo angst period my era I guess nice it it just conveyed like Looking back on it now, the movie is so ridiculous in so many ways, but it does, it hits a nerve when you need it to, if you need to yearn, if you just need to have a bit of a sook, like it, it hits that nerve so beautifully and all of the music conveys that, in my opinion. And then, so the track that you've selected, mm -hmm. Rosalind by Bon Iver and St. Vincent. It makes me cry every time. It's so pretty. We're going to listen to it right now. <laughs> Emily's going to be crying in the studio. I'm going to be sobbing but in the corner. But that's okay because I'll be crying too. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your pick for What's the Score. Um, and you're tuned in to Out of the Box with me, Kate Sarp, and Emily Elvish. We're going to listen to this one right now. It's called Rosalind. And we're going to be chatting on the other side of this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5 with Emily Elvish and Kate Sarp. 
we've been chit-chatting away, diving into our record collections, telling stories. Congratulations. Congratulations to you too. We're both hosting this show. I'm so excited to be doing this with you. I love (laughs) Out of the Box. Um, I love getting stories from people and Mm. like really, you know, getting under their skin and talking to them. Um, So I'm very happy that you and I are both able to do that for an hour once every fortnight on a Thursday from 12 p.m. I know. I have a question for you, actually. Okay. What's your favorite Out of the Box episode? Oh, I love Nabiha Iqbal. Oh, that was beautiful. I know that it only just came out, but (laughs) it's so good. It's so good. Oh, my goodness. I found out so many things about her, too, that I I never would have known. And then I went to the the show on the Saturday. Yeah. Magical. Oh, my goodness. And then besides the Angel Olsen, do you have another favorite? I... Oh, my God. Yes, I do. Sorry. That took a while. Julia <laughs> Jacqueline's interview yeah. is beautiful. She's an icon. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just I want to be Mia Hull when I grow up. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I spoke to her last week and I was like, hey. <laughs> hey, Mia. Um, <laughs> and so is there, you know, what are you excited about, you know, now that you're in the chair? In the hot seat. In the hot seat. I'm excited to... I think same as you, I'm excited to just being the little curious prior that I am. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to just learn more about people that I already admire and to maybe get an inside scoop so I can be like, I know things you don't know to all my friends. Yeah. And be like, hey, I actually just like muted the mic when they were saying that. Um, So really what they said was X, Y, Z. (laughs) They really told me everything. And you don't know that. And you're just like not cool enough to like know. (laughs) So no, that's me spreading more misinformation, guys. (laughs) What are you most excited about? Um, Just, yeah, like learning new stuff. Mm. I think also like developing my skills as a conversationalist too yeah um because i think it's really different like from out of the box (laughs) from up for it where you know you really only had 15 to 20 minutes with someone and it's early in the morning and you Mm. just have to keep going going with the show whereas like this one you can really like pull it apart and pull it pull at the strings that the you know the interviewee gives you and you'd be like no like this is what i actually want to find out or you know the you know they might surprise you um Mm. with a story that they're telling or an aspect of the profession that they do or anything. So like really figuring that out um, and, you know, finding, yeah, like, like you said, finding out something about someone that you might that you had no idea. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, once you like talk to someone for longer than 10 minutes, I would consider them a best friend. So <laughs> I've got lots of best so friends. So many besties yeah, to be made. I've got so many besties. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening in, we're excited to take you on this journey with us. We're excited to be there with you. Anywhere <laughs> that you listen to your podcast, you can also listen back to this episode, Mia Hull's archive and everything else that we're going to be talking about throughout our time hosting Out of the Box. Um, you can just search Out of the Box on all platforms and that will be up there uploaded as the podcast. Let's dive into a song. Let's leave them with a little a little another taste a of little your pump record up. collection. Yep. This one is by Cherry Chola. 
Munyeka, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that correctly. Munyeka, yeah. Munyeka. Uh, why Cherry Chola? Why this song? Well, so the thing about me is that, like, if I get any opportunity to shake my ass, I will. <laughs> um, and Tanya is also Tanya's in agreement. Yeah, Tanya, the executive <laughs> producer, is also in agreement with that. And so, like, I have been you know working on the shelf like that's exclusively what I do and I have a talent and I need to share it okay so I love reggaeton because you know the two years of Spanish that I did in high school I'm like yeah I know everything (laughs) (laughs) um and I think also like the being a coochie to like shaking ass pipeline is like very steep um especially with the new album that she's released okay Ditas wow no no skips or hits <laughs> anyway so terry tola um the first track that i heard of hers was princess puta and mm. i was like oh my god like a, a you're num based reggaeton artist like this is actually crazy like this is someone that i can actually go and see and you know shake my shake that thing live um <laughs> and so that most recent ep I heard this track, Munyeka, and I was like, that's going on. That's for That's me. going on the playlist. That's, that's going on the playlist. Um, so my big reggaeton playlist is called Damn, You, sh- you Shame With That Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that as a new show on the grid. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Kate's playlist, front to back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's why I love, you know, I just... I love reggaeton. Let's dive in. This is Cherry Chola with Munyeka. You've been listening to Out of the Box with me, Emily Elvish, and Kate Sop. We'll be back next Thursday. Julie, do you want to tease a bit about what's happening next Thursday? I might be talking to someone who is a very dear friend, um, and I've chatted to him on the show previously. We're going to be talking to the headphone guy, the coffee and cake guy, Derek G. Oh, my God. So you should tune in next Thursday. We're going to be chatting. We're having an extended run from September. It's going to be magical. Beautiful. We'll see you next time. Spin out of the box. Mm-hmm.